right, everybody, here we are. It's 2024. It's still season nine, but it's 2024, not 2023. It's the second part of season nine, and it's Theology on Mission podcast, where we meet the issues of culture for mission, for Christ and his kingdom. Mike Moore, where have you been? It's already February. We were supposed to be working on the second tranche of season nine uh, six weeks ago. What happened? I, I, I've been in this office working tirelessly. Glad you didn't swear when you said that. <laughs> where have you we been? We don't believe in that, by the way. Y- you've been in Cleveland, Ontario, Alton. Flint. Flint. I've been all over, and it's been a great time. And for anybody listening out there who was in on any of those gatherings, they were much fun. And by the way, I learned a little bit about because I've had this... this, this uh, cough yeah, this yeah. dry throat uh hangover from when we we're all sick over christmas in the fitch household and and i was standing up there in hamilton ontario with the presbyterians dave milmine i know you don't listen but if you are i'm thinking of you right now and uh fisherman's friend i learned about fisherman's friend it's a lozenge an extra strong cough suppressant it's, it sounds lozenge. like we're being sponsored by <laughs> Ooh, we should get some money off of this but i can highly recommend it and i'm I mean, I was with the Hugh Halter and and uh, Taylor McCall yesterday in Alton, and we were we were doing their podcast, and and we were scarfing I, these I, down. A heavy man. dose of lozenges. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, it's good to be back, isn't it, Mike? Moore? It's good to be back. Yeah. You kind of missed me, didn't you? Totally missed you. And you and I get to go to New York City in two weeks as well. Oh, we're going to be out there in New York City. Yep. That's on a uh, Thursday, Thursday night, twenty second. Twenty second. Join us. Going to be at the uh, Hope. Uh, yeah, what's the name? Drew Hun's church. I can't remember. It begins with Hope. Yeah. Sorry, Drew, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> we're going to be there. It's online. You can find me on Facebook uh, or Mike Moore on Facebook or Northern Seminary. It's all there. All right. What are we going to talk about today, Mike Moore? Uh, somebody uh, released a book, uh, I think, uh, a week ago, 10 days ago. Uh, is the title of the book you might be describing entitled Reckoning with Power, Why the Church Fails When It's on the Wrong Side of Power. Does that that's sound familiar? That's it, by David E. Fitch. Yeah, we won't st- we won't uh, reveal what the E stands for, but uh, we're, uh, we're kind of going to begin this season, this second part of season nine, with a discussion on the question of power. And the question uh, that I'd like to begin with is where do Christians start? Where do Christians start to, when we're thinking, navigating the problem of power? Okay. All right. And I got, I got a suggestion. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to go through the whole book. Don't worry, folks. We're not going through the whole book. But mm-hmm. I think we might want to think about Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if you're talking about where we start theologically, where we start biblically. Yeah, theologically, and I want to start with Genesis 1. Now, now you correct me, because you, you okay. always like to correct me. Mm-hmm. You always like to stick a wrench into things. Nothing ever goes smoothly on this podcast. <laughs> but I think that most Christians, especially evangelical Christians, since 1952, mm-hmm. they start with Genesis 1. And they read that on the sixth day, God creates humankind and says, 
something like let them have dominion yeah. over, over the fish, the birds, the cattle, the wild animals, every creeping thing on the earth, Genesis 1, 26. Mm -hmm. And then a few verses later, God creates male and female, and he uh, commands them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And, again, the word's key, subdue it mm -hmm. and have dominion over the fish, birds, cattle, wild animals, yeah. and every living thing. That would be verse 28. And so, uh, God seems to invite humans to exert power over his creation. Okay, now this, this I think, is behind a lot of the, you know, that tradition mm -hmm. you are from, <laughs> reform. <laughs> Not from that, in that. Yes. Uh, the idea of, have you ever heard of the cultural mandate? Huh, I have heard of this. You want to tell us a little bit about your experience <clears throat> of the cultural mandate? Uh, you mean specifically within the Reformed tradition? Just generally speaking. Hmm, generally speaking. Well, because I don't know that the cultural mandate has a wider following than evangelicals and the Reformed tradition that influences certain parts yes. of the evangelical. Yeah. And part, and part of, I think, the way you're describing it is co connected to Kuiper, right? Abraham Kuiper. So humans are made in the image of God. They were told to subdue and uh, uh, extend dominion all over creation. And so that means that for humans, there are all these spheres in the world, and we exercise dominion in all these spheres, whether that be education, uh, whether your vocation is in politics or a plumber. Plumber? Plumber, he said. Plumber, ladies or, and gentlemen, or, or or even the church. But there are these spheres uh, where Christians are sent into to um, join out, uh, join in God's cry that every square inch belongs to God. Yeah, and there's a there's an underlying theology of power in the way these verses form the basis of how we live in the world. And so someone like Andy Crouch, who I don't believe identifies in any way as a reformed person, uh -huh. when in his book Playing God, sees yeah. power as a gift from God inherited and endowed with human beings, male and female, by virtue of being created in the image of God. Right. And part of that image is to have dominion mm -hmm. or authority or mm -hmm. power over the earth. Yes, and in the Reformed tradition, it, that oftentimes gets connected to your vocation. So whatever your job is, you do that in the name of Jesus, right? Okay, but the big problem for me or the big issue for me is the conception of power at work in the grounding of power in this way in Genesis chapter 1. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a power over. The word over or subdue or have dominion over is the, it, it places one in a position of power and authority. And, and I want to contend, by the way, and, and this goes for you. Uh, by the way, in the book, I talk, to, talk about Andy Crouch and his book, Playing God. And I talk about Diane Langberg and her book, Redeeming Power. And I also talk about Dominic Gilliard and his book, Subversive Witness, which talks about using privilege as a means or a power to... Uh, promote or cultivate the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. All of them, especially Andy and Diane, start with Genesis chapter 1. Okay. We have been given authority, power, 
by virtue of being created by God. Yeah, image bestows power. Yeah, and so there's or there's there's this idea of power over. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so uh, I'll, I'll just add on to that. Um, uh, so when we're when we're discerning power, it's how to use power in the image of God uh, and do it out of um, His out of our relationship to God mm-hmm. in ordered by God. Okay, now let me just say, doesn't that give you a bit of a posture of, I know what I'm doing, get out of my way, I get to tell you what to do? Yeah, well, if you're ordained by God to do something, then it can it can get your britches a little big. Isn't this a little bit like, mm, I'm going to play God? Isn't this dangerous? Does that, does that yeah. awaken yeah. any dangers? Sure, or? I mean, pol- politically... In America, we've seen that awaken all kinds of dangers. I think Are you that's, saying I think that's how you get blame the, for Trump, Donald Trump? <laughs> Kuiper, major, <laughs> moral majority, straight line. Um, I don't know if it's that simple, but I think uh, that, that's an element of it. There is a theology of power at work. So in the book, I, I actually uh, disagree with this understanding and interpretation of Genesis chapter 1. Okay. And I'm working off the work of Theodore Hebert, who was an Old Testament scholar, professor, uh, AMBS, AMBS, and and other, I I believe at Eastern Mennonite, other places. Mm -hmm. But he says, of course, humans are to exercise power in his image, i.e. exercise power the same way God does. Okay. And then he proceeds to talk about how uh, the verse says, our image, O-U-R, our mm-hmm. image, according to our likeness. Mm-hmm. And so immediately we see that God is relational. Yeah, He is not over. He's among and with. Mm-hmm. And so it is a mistake, I think, to see this as a power and authority over. Okay, and then he goes on to say, that um, there is a way that God rules with an interdependent order. Any notion of power over must be placed within the broader context of a world created within the interdependence of relations as inhabited by his presence. Now, remember, the -hmm. garden was the sanctuary of his presence. It is by his presence that God relates to Adam and Eve so mm-hmm. that when the when the fall occurs Adam it, the question is why are you hiding from my presence now that yeah. is broken that presence right. is broken right. so does this um, is this enough for you to say well yeah we have to actually think through what the uh, what the reformed understanding of the cultural mandate yeah. is? A little bit differently. It sounds like your critique is that in the Reformed evangelical cultural mandate, there's a focus on dominion over, but what you're emphasizing is the relationality of the, the interrelationality. Image. And and a big well, part of this book is to say there are two powers, not one. Yeah. But we have to get through Genesis to get there. And then are you saying, and I might be leading us a little further down the path, are you saying that then power comes out of relationality? Exactly. Yeah. God's power. Rather than the is other at way around. Work in and through and among interrelationality. Yeah. By the way, in the footnotes, if you do buy the book, folks, the name of the book is Reckoning with Power by uh, moi. <laughs> uh, 
But I say in one of the footnotes that Ingrid Farrow reiterates the argument that the us, let us uh-huh. create uh, them, uh, 126, is addressing the divine council. This divine council, assembly of spiritual beings, is the way God shares power in the governing of the universe. Unwilling to coerce through power over, God governs jointly. Jointly. Mm-hmm. That's in chapter 12 of Demystifying Evil. Yeah. Ingrid Farrow, if you're listening, I I hope, A, you'll, I quoted you correctly, and B, <laughs> I hope people buy your book because it's an excellent book. Yeah. So anyways... That's so, so, so now we're seeing that actually the way power is conceived in the garden is not power over, mm-hmm. but it's interrelational power. Now, Theodore Hebert actually says that this is substantiated in the second account of creation, which is, in, of course, mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 2. Here humanity is formed from the dust of the earth and given the command to, quote, farm it, verse okay. 15. He says farm it or cultivate it actually has the sense of serving the earth, not subduing the earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not until the fall in Genesis 3 that we see a different kind of power emerge. And here we see Adam and Eve um, in the independence, living, seeking independence. They were in dependence upon the presence of God, but now they're tempted to, quote, be like God, verse 5, chapter 3. And they eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And now they are hiding from the presence of God, verse 8. They are distanced from each other. Relational independence is broken. Mm -hmm. A new power over, the usurping power over appears and now the husband shall rule over the woman, verse 16. Hmm. And the man must now toil over the earth. And in their act of rebellion, they've sought to be over God, and they are expelled from the garden. And we know that violence soon erupts between Cain and Abel. We know, Genesis 6, violence fills the earth. And a new kind of power, the power of sin and the fall, apart from God, mm-hmm. and autonomy from God, takes place. Yeah. And so now, out of Genesis 1, 2, and 3, we see post-fall, there's now two powers, not one. There's the power of the presence of the living God at work among us, interrelationally. And two, there's the power over, that is the power of violence and the power of a sinful world and autonomy from God. Mm-hmm. And so now the question becomes for me, I mean, this is, this is the place where we, where we start. Um, but uh, what I'm pressing for in this book is, is a recognition that there are two powers, yeah. not one. What, what's the critique that you get when people are critiquing this? Because I've seen a few people kind of push back. Uh, I have I haven't yet got any critiques on me using Theodore Hebert and uh, the redescription of the Genesis one to three, if that's what you're talking. Well, about. I mean, more about pushbacks on the power, or a pushback on there being two powers. Yeah. Well, before we go into that, I'm okay. just I'm just I say this is where we got to start, folks. So that when Jesus says in Mark chapter ten, 
after you know they're on their way to Jerusalem. Uh-huh. The the disciples think they're going to take over and the kingdom's going to begin, and they got the Roman conception of kingdom in their mind, and they start jockeying who's going to get uh, the right hand, who's going to get the left, and yeah. they start getting angry at one another. Jesus goes, "Ho ho 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 ho! You know how the Gentiles uh, lord it over them. Mm-hmm. You know he's referring to." First Samuel eight, when the, they wanted a king, king like yeah. the Gentiles, yeah. it shall not be so mm-hmm. among you. Among you, the right. first shall be last. The we shall be mm. servants of all. It shall not be so o- over. So there. So to me, once you see there's two powers, not one. Now we got to go about the business of discerning the two powers. Yeah, and the postures and the limits and how the two powers work. And so for me, that's the whole ballgame of this book. Okay, we can choose as Christians to first submit to, discern the power of the presence of God at work among us Mm -hmm. and discern with each other and allow him to work and heal and reconcile. I'm not just talking about my inner self. I'm talking about social situations, Mm -hmm. social issues in the neighborhood. Or we can go in with a power over hmm. and try through many different ways to manipulate to what we already think we know because right. we're reformed people. We have the, we have the <laughs> spheres of creation. We know how things are supposed to be because we were created to subdue it. Let's get about right. And get, to get me, busy, it's huh? two different folks. Listen to me. I know this is – we're going we're gonna to have a few more podcasts on this. <laughs> and we're not going to answer all the questions. But there's a big difference between the power of God and the way he works in the world. And the power of the world. Yes. And, and, and we got to recognize the difference and what both powers can do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so have, I, have I convinced you? I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. you. You didn't need to convince me. I didn't need to convince you? Nope. I thought for sure you were going to throw a wrench in this whole thing. Mm. You know, that, that, that's why I was asking what the critiques were. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, well, one of the first critiques we're going to get is that this is not practical. It's not efficient. Well, Jesus yeah, is not practical. We got a nuclear war coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we 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 can't just get on our hands and knees and pray, and then go have a cup of coffee and pray the spirit of the Lord will work right. with Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. It's yep. not practical. This yep. is the Niebuhrian critique. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's there's a couple. Of, what, what do you say to that? Since you seem to be convinced on my hypothesis, what what, what do I say that it's not practical? That Jesus is not that the power. Of the living God, the resurrected Lord, <laughs> is not practical. Well, I think I would just say uh, the cross wasn't very practical. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I just wouldn't let the world set the terms for how the kingdom of God is to engage it. That's what I would say. Yeah, mm, not very convincing. But uh, okay. But nice you know, story. but you know what I'm doing <laughs> when I say that. What are What are you doing? I'm. I'm just saying that we're starting with Jesus first and we're starting with the kingdom as the way that the church is supposed to operate in the world. Because the moment, moment you say something is practical, then you're already letting the world just define the terms. Like practical is not a Christian concept. Like practicality is not a Christian virtue. It's not something that, you know, Jesus didn't talk about, hey, I'm going to give you the most practical ministry or here's a practical way to follow me, you know, pick up a cross. So whenever you're using pra- practical, then I feel like you're pulling in, you know, business or efficient efficiency models to try to measure the uh, 
uh, yes. effectiveness yes. of the so, church. So uh, as, as an introduction to the book, I think we've accomplished a couple of things. Okay. Uh, we've tried to distinguish between one power, that there's not one power at work in the world, mm-hmm. which we all have to either get busy with, use it, or abnegate our responsibilities in the world. Right. There's really two powers at work in the world. Uh, and and now the second the second now that we just got to acknowledge there's a whole bunch of complex issues now. Yeah, it's yeah. not that easy. Right. For one, if God's power does work interrelationally, socially, mm-hmm. it requires cooperation. Yeah. God will not coerce according to this approach. Right. And so there will be times when we got to hire a lawyer mm-hmm. because we are not in. Uh, the ch- By the way, Paul says if you, to the Christians, why are you hiring lawyers? Yeah. Settle it before you. Assuming you're both Christians. Right, right. But we live in the world where people are, are not Christians and they want to exert power over against you or versus mm-hmm. you or whatever. And, and so there will be times when we have to use worldly power. We'll yep. talk about that next podcast. Sure. But for now, I feel like we've lost the imagination in the church for the power of God to work, not only in our inner souls, mm-hmm. not only in but in our our families, not only in our churches, yeah. but in our neighborhoods, in our places of hurt and pain and brokenness in our cities. Mm-hmm. I believe God's power made space for could change the world. Yeah. But it's we've lost the imagination. Yeah. I think that's the truth. In, in the words of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 1. Okay. I pray that you might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Hmm. For those who believe, know the power, not control the power. not you. I, Paul didn't say, I pray that you might use God's power to get some things done. Damn it. <laughs> That's not what he said. He didn't say, I pray. That you might control the power because you can't control God's power. Yeah. Know the power, recognize the power, experience his power, cooperate with his power, mm-hmm. discern his power. That's what's at stake here. And he said, yeah. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Uh, this is the power that was set in motion through the victory of the cross and the resurrection. Hmm. And uh, pa- Paul has to say, I pray you might know it. Why? Because frankly, you, you're not, your imagination is too small. Yeah. Your ability to know the power. Hmm. All, right, all right. So that's probably enough heavy duty work it's on good. power for our first podcast. It's a good, it's a good intro to the book. Genesis chapter one, folks. Yep. It's all in second chap, third, second chapter of, <coughs> Reckoning with power. If you got questions about power, because we're getting, we are getting a lot of questions about this, yeah. this book. It's all good, by the way. We're getting a lot of questions on the Substack, Fitch's provocations. We're getting a lot of questions on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. all good. Even some some Twitter. I don't do much on Twitter, but I, yeah. I am on Twitter. <coughs> and so, folks, if you got questions, throw them on 
the the uh, what what do we got? We got a we got a website. We'll, I mean, they can throw it. They can throw it anywhere they want. Well, well, how and we will we, we will it? eventually find it. I don't. You? They can email us. They can. I don't uh, have the same confidence on, on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you can call the seminary. You know, leave do a voicemail. Not, <laughs> do not call the seminary. <laughs> do not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but please uh, give us a uh, a review. Us, well, give us a review. But we want some <laughs> questions on this subject. Uh, yeah. The next time. Yes, All right. please. Well, that just about wraps it up. That do does, we, yeah. Do we, do we have any announcements? Yep. We, we're coming to New York City February 22nd. Going to New York City June 9th and 10th. John Tran is going to be here. On the on the lectures, the Theology, Theology and Mission, Mission lectures. lectures. That's going to be fantastic. Yep. Folks. We're taking new students for our master's and our doctoral program. So uh, if that interests you. But John Tran know. is something special, folks. Um, yes. His book entitled Asian uh, Americans. Asian Americans and spirit uh, of racial capitalism. Spirit of race. Yes, it's kind of. It's it, a lot. It's a great book. <laughs> it is a great book. It's it, an it, excellent book. Uh, and I'm not just saying that. I've read it thickly. And he's teaching in our demon contextual yeah, program yeah. on racism, economics, and how the church engages these things. So we're excited to have him come June. Yeah. So sign up uh, ASAP. Yeah. In uh, the sa- in the same week, Amos Young is teaching here on uh, hospitality mission. So we're we're stacking the deck. The deck is stacked. The deck is stacked. Northern Seminary. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope we gave you a little taste of the questions of power we're going to deal with in the next two or three uh, uh, episodes of Theology on Mission podcast, but we're also having some major guests that we're really looking forward to. Yes. I can't tell yep. you the names until we get them scheduled, yeah, but that's fun. they've consented to come on. We're looking forward to it. So uh, it's over now for now, but uh, we look forward to seeing you for all eight episodes of Season 9 tranche two until then mike moore it's over and out dave fitch and (laughs) mike moore we'll see hey that was a good that was a good exit (laughs) no yeah 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 you're laughing it's fine all right folks we'll see you next time (laughs) bye-bye now all right peace